Hey friend, really excited for this Portfolio Career Podcast with Greg Clunas. Greg has produced over 300 podcast episodes as the host of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Greg firmly believes that these small steps for everyday people can lead to massive growth over time in all key areas of your life. Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Greg also is now the author of a book, Tiny Leaps, Big Changes that is coming out in January. He talks about this and so much more about portfolio career. Greg also talks about how music has been such a key piece of his whole life and he talks about music that he released related to a personal tragedy. He lost his father and he talks about this and and we connect about that. It's a shared experience that we both have gone through and I'm so grateful for Greg sharing this and giving me the opportunity to further connect with him about that here. There is a lot in this episode for you to take small steps to build and grow your portfolio career. And as always, let me know what you think. Cool. Welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Nabinski, is here with Greg Clunas. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. So if we were to go to an event tonight, Greg, how do you typically uh, introduce yourself? You know, I've been struggling with this because um, I think that as I gain more self-awareness around who I am and, and what I'm interested in, I used to always say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I uh, like building business. I like being self-employed, so on and so forth. Um, I'm coming to realize that I am an entrepreneur, but I'm more maker than I am direct entrepreneur. Like, I don't actually care if what I'm making is a business. I just want to make things. I want to take the ideas in my head, turn them into real things. Um, and then where the, the like, entrepreneurial side comes from is obviously I can monetize those things and I can find ways to turn them into something of value for other people and solve problems and make money doing it. And so I think how I would introduce myself from now and going forward, and, and maybe this will change at some point in the future, is a maker who has a background in business, marketing, sales, and all of the things required to not just be a starving artist, but like turn it into an actual career. Mm-hmm. And when you say a maker, how, can you expand a little bit more upon some things that you have made and some things that uh, you'd like to make? Sure. So I uh, currently host a podcast called Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. I've written a book by the same name, uh, similar topics, but not derivative of each other. I am the founder of a company called Pod Simply that works with entrepreneurs and thought leaders, authors, speakers, so on and so forth. The people who are very knowledgeable about a specific topic in helping them grow their authority via podcasting. I, I released a rap album a few weeks ago. I big gamer in, in my early years and definitely a lot of my free time now is spent gaming. So I make content around video games and basic nerd culture. So anime, gaming, so on and so forth. Next year, I'm working on a scholarship. The year after that, I'm working on a, an event series that is designed to raise awareness around uh, early detection for lung cancer. So be, like, the, I've, I've struggled in life because it always feels like you need to have like a thing you're known for, like a, this theme. But to, to the point of this show and, and to what I've found work for me is I'm most happiest when I can create with no filter. When I can take the things in my head, turn them into real things by whatever process necessary and it doesn't matter necessarily if it ties to the last thing or if it's the same audience it serves as long as I'm able to get it out into the world and whoever is attracted to it and is served by it feels like they are being served so yeah it's all over the place but ultimately I'm a maker I'm a creator create with no filter no filter and by the way that took a lot of time 
for me to accept. And I'm still not 100% like behind that because it feels like you're supposed to have, you're supposed to fit in a box. Like people are supposed to be able to pin down what you are and who you are by what you do because it spends, it takes up so much of our time. And it always felt like if I didn't have that, if I didn't have this core defining brand or identity, then maybe I wouldn't be as successful as I could be. And I'm starting to realize that especially nowadays, thanks to the internet, thanks to the ability to create, thanks to people's ability to understand that people are multidimensional, you get into this place where you can do that. You can sort of be the quote unquote renaissance man where you are doing a million different things and you're doing them well. And it, as long as you're serving other people, it doesn't really matter. Hmm. I want to go back to the podcast. So speaking of making things, you've made about 300 episodes on your podcast. Yeah. And it's a self-help podcast. What's been the driving force behind that? Yeah. So to give a little bit of context, the show, it came from uh, this place of being frustrated with the personal development and self-help industries. So I've been consuming self-help, personal development books, videos, content, lectures, so on and so forth since I was 13. And I am 26 going on 27 now. And in those 13, 14 years of really being engrossed in this world, I started to notice this shift where it stopped being about actually creating change in your life. And it turned more into saying things that sound really nice. They make great Instagram quotes, but they have no real practicality behind them. Like, for example, the whole idea of a morning routine, like that in theory is good. It is good to try to create a circumstance that leads to a similar result and starts your day in a similar place every day. Like that is a good thing. However, when you look at any of the leaders in the space, their morning routine is not something that the normal person can do. Like the single mother of three who's working four jobs to make ends meet cannot sit and meditate for three hours and then read and then journal and then uh, make a healthy meal and then do this and that. Like they just don't have the time. And, And unfortunately, there is a limited amount of time, especially when you have other people that need to be attended to or other things that need to be attended to. And so the point of the show became, you know what, I think that this is becoming very unrealistic. I think that the industry is being an industry and doing what industries do, which is sell stuff. Like they wanted to get to a place where they could reliably make money, which no problem with. I'm the I'm a big fan of capitalism. What I have an issue with is when you're selling stuff by convincing people that they are wrong and need to be fixed somehow, and by creating a narrative that you then get people to buy into in order to then sell them on stuff. So for example, the follow your passion movement. It's no coincidence that the biggest people who talk about looking for your passion and once you find it, it's amazing, blah, 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 are also the people who happen to be experts in finding your passion and have courses on the subject and have massive conferences on the subject. Like th- that, There's no coincidence between those two. And so the show became, is it possible to change your life? Yes, 100%. So starting from that basic tenet, can you then figure out how to do it by focusing on day-to-day behavior instead of focusing on big fluffy things that never get acted on? And that's what Tiny Leaps Big Changes is about, is by changing your daily routines and your behaviors and your habits and the things you choose to consciously do, can you then down the line, whether it takes three years or five years or 10 years or 20 years, create the outcome that you want? I think yes. And that's why I'm, I'm creating the show and forcing people to pay attention to those day-to-day behaviors. 
And a recent episode that you had was about um, how to have a good conversation. So yeah. it's kind of fitting that we're having a conversation. And I just listened to, to that earlier. I guess the one thing that I've been really curious about is where does the inspiration for each episode come from? It seems like it's a, you know, you cover such amazing breadth and depth. You know, that episode, for example, when did you start thinking about that? How did you come up with yeah. the content behind it? Yeah, so that episode actually came from a video I did on YouTube like three years ago. And so it's a topic that has been floating around in my head for a little while. And I originally did a, a YouTube video on it and it went really well, but I thought there was still more to be said. And so that's why I decided I would expand on it in the, the podcast. To answer your, your more general question, I try to, with the show, uh, focus on what I call sort of like the, the six core areas of your life. So you have your fitness, your nutrition, your finances, your career, your relationships, and your emotional health. And I believe that those six areas make up the majority of the things that each person needs to be thinking about or worried about on a day-to-day basis. Are there other areas? Absolutely. But these are the six that we have some sense of control over. Like they're the core. And so from there, that gives me a really interesting framework to come up with episode topics because it allows me to go in a lot of different directions. I can talk about getting started at the gym. I can talk about pursuing work you care about. I can talk about how to start a business. I can talk about dealing with breakups or losing a family member. Or, or whatever it is, like these all fall under those six areas. So that's the first piece is not limiting myself to any specific like topic because I would have run out of content a long time ago had I done that. But then beyond that, I have roughly three or four episode types. So the first, which is really what started the show, are these episodes where I have no expertise on the subject. I'm just spending a lot of time reading research documents and learning from the experts. And so these are much more science-driven. They're much more human behavior, psychology, economics, so on and so forth driven. And it's topics that I could not possibly be an expert in without going and taking a PhD or something like that. And even then, I'm sure the people who have PhDs recognize that there's still so much to learn. And so my job is more so to uh, share what is out there and then pull some potential conclusions from that and start a conversation. So a classic example, uh, one of my more popular episodes was what happens in the brain when you meditate. And uh, I found it fascinating. I read through a bunch of documents, read through a bunch of articles from very esteemed people who study that kind of thing, shared what they found, and then shared my thoughts on it. And we had a conversation from there. So you have the research episode, then you have the personal experience episodes. Like, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here is my proposed solution for it. Let me go try it. If it doesn't work, I'm going to share that. If it does work, I'm going to share that. And those are meant to be, hey, I'm in this too. Like the entire point of doing this show is to help improve my own life. So uh, I'm not going to hide that and act like I'm some guru. The third is interviewing others and speaking to them about uh, either their experiences or the things they're experts in and, and really trying to extract as much value from those conversations as I can. And then the fourth is more of like a, um, a resource episode. And these are just here are the three tools I use to keep myself productive or here is the system that uh, I follow or that I've heard about or whatever it is that can help increase your income or that does this or why or whatever it is. And across those four, whether it's mining my 
own experience for the personal experience episodes, bringing on a, an expert for the interviews, uh, looking at a research documents or the resource one, I now get to not only have a diverse uh, breadth of content, I also get to very quickly create sources of new ideas for content. Because if I'm bringing on an interview, a guest, I can just talk about their topic. That's the content. Mm. If I'm looking for resources, I'm either using my personal experience or I'm asking the community or I'm looking at Quora and like seeing what other people are talking about. If it's a personal experience and I maybe don't have any, which has never happened because I struggle with pretty much every area of my life and so there's a lot to share. Um, if I don't have anything, I can ask the community, what are you struggling with right now? I can even bring community members on. And that's the beauty of a podcast is I control everything. There's nobody telling me what I can and can't do. And as a result, I can do anything and everything I want, depending on have I been busy in my other businesses that week? And so I don't have content. Cool. Let me bring on three listeners and they can share their story and that's an episode that people would get value out of so yeah i I try to to from the top of it keep my options open and then from there you almost have these like built-in sources of content ideas as a result of the choices you make above it goes back to that creating without a filter right yeah absolutely (laughs) and what has been some surprises i mean you know over 300 episodes, 160 plus countries, a couple million downloads. You know, I'm sure there's been some ups and downs, you know, from a, a content creation perspective and tech and all these things. Like, what's been some surprises that, that get overlooked a little bit? I would say that the things that as, as content creators and as podcasters are most often said are important end up not being that important. So, for example, one of the, the uh, most widely given arguments or for podcasters is hey you need to have show notes and from speaking to my audience from getting feedback from seeing the actual data that's not true they don't give a crap like they want the content when they want the content and they are more than likely consuming it when they're doing other things podcasting is a unique medium simply because it's the only one that can be consumed passively like you can go for a run and and listen to a podcast You can uh, be doing chores or commuting or whatever it is and listen to a podcast. And beyond audiobooks, which have a very big time investment, which is the main uh, drawback to them, or music, which is still the predominant form of audio consumption, podcasts are the, the only thing that has that choice to be able to be consumed passively and not be ridiculously long in the uh, case of audiobooks. And so if that's the case, and we look at the behavior around podcast listening, when are they ever in a position to go read show notes? They're not. In theory, they might at the end of their commute, get out of the car, get into the office, do all the morning stuff, and then sit down and read your show notes. Like theoretically, that's possible, but that's not going to happen in the vast majority of cases. And and that's just one example. There are a million of them. So the, the thing that I've come to realize from doing this show for as long as I have and for as many episodes I have and getting as much feedback as I have is that we really, as an industry, as creatives, need to question, well, what actually matters? Like, what are the things that the industry says we should be doing just because somebody else said we should be doing it and no one has ever stopped to actually question in years? Uh, What are those things? 
And can we use that time to better serve the community instead? Can we actually ask our listeners or our viewers or whomever it is, what is it that you actually want? Do you want show notes? Maybe some listeners do. Maybe there's a a segment of older listeners who are consuming the way that uh, people used to consume radio, where you're sitting in a room and listening to it. And maybe those people do want to be able to look up show notes. But unless that's a good chunk of your audience who's actually saying, hey, I want that, then maybe it's a waste of time. Uh, and, And so really starting to sit down and recognize there are all these like standards and practices and so on and so forth. And I find this is true about life in general, not just content. There are things people say that you should be doing just because no one ever stopped to question, should you be doing it? Like it's Or just if it sort works of, for you. Or if it works for you. It's just wisdom that's been handed down by default. And I, I think that that podcasting has definitely taught me to ask that question a whole lot more about everything. Hmm. Yeah, because like meditate, you don't really meditate, right? I recently started again, but only as a tool to help fall asleep. I don't get much value out of uh, meditation for the sake of focus or productivity or any of those things, uh, even though that's commonly what you're told you should be doing. I mean, as a, a, especially as a digital entrepreneur who sits in his house all day long, I, uh, you're told all of these things that I found most of them don't work for me. Hmm. And so that's why you're on this journey to test yeah. different things. And yeah. And I mean, even the, uh, the wisdom of, Hey, unless you niche down and unless you're known for this thing, you're never gonna like maybe able to make it work. Um, that, that doesn't work for me. I'm not happy that way. Like if I have three very big projects going on at the moment, all of which are doing far better than I ever imagined they could. And I've often wished that I could just be focused on one and really take it to the next level. But and my girlfriend points this out to me every single time, I would be miserable if I was just doing a single thing every single day, I would lose my mind and I would end up not actually doing anything for it simply because I would be like resisting that that version of things. And so it's better for me to have one or two or three things that are going on at the same time. So that I'm able to satisfy whatever part of my brain is like craving that that sense of variety. That day, that week. That day, that week, that that month, whatever it is. I love that. Living the portfolio career lifestyle. <laughs> Trying. Also, Greg, recently you've uh, started playing around with some music and, yeah. um, you know, released a track on October 10th. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the track and that yeah. date. Yeah. Yeah. So music has always been an interesting part of my life. Uh, it's something that I've been actively creating for six, seven years, maybe even more, actually. I was producing electronic music uh, from sophomore year of college through like the first two years out of college. And beyond that, choir and elite choir and band and performed all over the country and blah, blah, blah. So it's always been this part of my life that I've loved and that I've missed when it wasn't there. Mm. And uh, on, on October 10th of 2017, my father passed away and I was due to complications related to lung cancer treatment. And it sort of started this as it does with everyone, when you lose someone that, that means a lot to you, it starts this journey of, of both questioning your own reality and questioning the things that matter to you, but then also uh, needing to sort of show up each day and keep life happening. Because uh, one of the, I would say one of the most shocking things about that loss was how normal the world was afterwards. Like mm. it seems like you this person who's so incredibly important to you seems like things should stop and like there should be like a recognition of it and it's just it just isn't because none of us are really 
that big. I mean, even somebody as well known as Prince dies and he gets a day of recognition. And it's like, if somebody that huge gets a single day, my dad, who didn't mean anything to anyone outside of the people who knew and loved him, of course, he's not going to get recognition. But you never have to face that until it happens. You never have to realize that until it happens. And so that that day started uh, a journey that I'm still on. But uh, this past October 10th, the one year anniversary turned into me releasing uh, a rap mixtape that was just documenting all of the different emotions that that was, was felt in the last year. So the, the from uh, the first song, which is called uh, Combat, and it's the day that it happened, my initial reaction was not sadness or uh, anger or any of those other things. It was purely, okay, he made most of the money. That means my mom's going to need support. Both my mom and my sister are, are grieving. That means I need to keep my head up so that they can have the space to like it was this idea of like cool this happened now i need to suit up for combat and like tackle Mm. life right now that was my initial reaction that's what that's where i was for most of the rest of that month and uh, met the rest of 2017 it wasn't until early 2018 especially once i got done with uh, book writing that the sadness and the anger and uh, all the other emotions that are represented in the the mixtape started to take place and started to to have an effect and all these things were coming out about potential medical malpractice and uh, uh the just things that had they happened differently, you question, would this have ended in the same result? That led to anger around the the medical system, anger around healthcare, anger at the specific people involved who didn't do things or did do things. And, and so that turned into the, the second track, which was just, um, it, it was purely an attack on everyone involved that in my point, my POV at that time were responsible for my dad passing away. Uh, and the third song is, is called Psycho. And it was for a very long time after it happened, I, I was still in therapy and I kept saying to her, like, it feels like I'm in an alternate universe. It feels mm. like like I, I stumbled through a doorway that took me into this other world, like Alice in Wonderland style. And everything was exactly the same, except for this one little detail. One little thing that he wasn't there was like the, the tiny thing that was wrong. Now, almost like those picture books where you're like looking mm-hmm. for like, what is wrong here? And, and so that song was meant to sort of represent this feeling of like a psychotic break with the, the universe and the world uh, that I was going through with losing him and realizing this, this central figure of my life is no longer there and having to come to terms with that. Um, the fourth song is called Stay Safe. And it was the last words he said to me. I was there the weekend before he passed away and everything seemed fine. And whenever I leave, so my parents lived upstate, whenever I, I visited, and left uh he was very terrified of like the city and all the things that can happen be pushing you into train tracks and yada 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 uh so he always said like stay safe watch your back like be careful mm-hmm. and so uh the the last words was that uh this is the last time i spoke to him before he passed and, and so it was sort of starting out as a little bit of a letter to him and, and uh exploration of sort of my own sadness around it and, uh, and the last song which actually added on three days before i released it like it was never supposed to be there but it felt incomplete without it i was called watch me and it was kind of just asking him now that he's gone to both watch over me and, and still 
hopefully be there to protect me, but then also to specifically watch me do all the things he always knew I could. Because my dad was uh, and still is my my biggest cheerleader. Like he was the person who knew uh, that from a, a very young age, the crazy stuff I said I wanted to do, not only could I make it happen, but he taught me all the skills that I needed to make it happen. And he never once looked at me and said, oh, that's ridiculous. He, I, I, I'm fortunate in that no one in my family really has ever taken the goals or dreams or whatever it is that I have and said, oh, well, why would you do that? Or making me feel like I should take the safe option. Like my family has legitimately the response has always been well you've always like done things differently anyway so you might as well like it's always been such a sure thing that Mm -hmm. I was gonna do it that there was just never a question they were basically just waiting for me to do it and and so I'm very fortunate in that way and my dad was a big reason that that was the environment And, and so it was uh it was an emotional project it was something that I started mostly just because I thought it was a cool idea. And then as I was doing it, I realized I kind of needed to. And I think it really has helped me uh, grieve and, and deal with my own emotions and understand where I where I am in relation to it. But it was fun. And it's, it's the only project I've ever released that I did not care about the result. I did mm. not care if anyone listened to it. I did not care if, like, I, I promoted it the day before and the day it released and that was it. And I've never once done that with anything because I am, at my core, a, like, business person. And so pretty much everything I do, I'm always trying to think of how I can possibly either monetize it or serve some purpose for somebody. Or even if I'm doing it for free, like, how do I bring value to people like those are the questions I ask around everything this is the only thing that was 197% just mine and I only even bothered releasing it because I like the habit of making things and putting it into the world regardless of whether there's a motive attached to it thanks so much for sharing that Greg um yeah I know um that's that's very powerful um and um I know I've shared a little bit about what happened with my dad and stuff but um Um, so, and, and so then is that, that's some of the inspiration behind the book too? Yeah. So the book, the book is an interesting thing because, uh, like I'm sure many people listening to this, I've always had a dream of being an author and getting a book published and, uh, specifically not going the route of self-published, but being able to get it into like a Barnes and Noble or Target or like all these big places that I grew up going to and spending a lot of time in. And so the book came because an editor at my publisher, Center Street, listens to my show and the timing worked out. They were acquiring new books. There was a trend of turning podcasts into books that that did very well. And, And she really liked my show. And so she reached out to try and acquire it. And at that point, this was May 2017, maybe June, I had no book idea. Like I knew at some point I would write a book, but I had no idea what it would be about. It was never in the the plans for right now. This was maybe another two, three years down the line. But I am of the mind that if somebody reaches out with a great opportunity, you take it and then you figure it out. And so I said, yes, we went through the process. Uh, She asked me to put together a pitch just so she could sell it internally. I did that in a week and turned it around and they bought it. And so 
very quickly that turned into, okay, what are the rules for myself? I knew that a common practice in podcast books is to take podcast content and repurpose it. So you transcribe it, you maybe add some stories, and, and that's your book. The one rule I had for myself was, or the two rules, one, I had to write it myself, so no ghostwriters, and two, I had to create wholly unique content. Even though it's based on the podcast, it had to be something that if someone discovered me from the book first, they could then go over to the podcast and feel like it wasn't being repetitive or vice versa. And so those were the two rules. And then from there, within that framework I built for myself, I just had to figure it out. And so it was a lot of figuring it out, like writing and rewriting and just trying to find there's this, uh, I don't know if I pulled it from a quote, but writers like hardcore writers talk about it all the time of like, you're basically just trying to find the story, you're writing until the thing emerges, you're you're sculpting until the thing emerges, you're painting until the thing emerges. Art is so much about not trying to force a specific thing, but having an idea idea of where you want to go and then just going and letting whatever comes out come out and that's what happened with this book was it was less about being platform agnostic it was less about here's my specific message it was more so here's an opportunity i know what rules i have for myself let's try and find what that message might be yeah and that was an interesting experience by the way because i'm very much a let's plan it first and get it done kind of thing and the book is coming out in in january yeah so january 15th it's called tiny leaps big changes same as the podcast and um, you said that you, you didn't want to be a musician and go on tour, but yeah. do you think, do you anticipate kind of going on tour, giving out free resources, having meetups? Mm. and? Yeah, so it's um, a lot of the promo is going to be digital. I mean, it makes sense. I've built everything I've done digitally, literally from my, my living room in one of my old apartments. A lot of it's going to be digital. So from a promo point of view, I'm aiming to do two to 300 podcast interviews. That is my bread and butter. So like really doubling down on that space. And beyond that, partnerships and definitely we'll be doing events around New York City, where I'm from, and maybe some other cities that make sense to go to, whether that's because my audience is there or I'm already there for another event or whatever it is, but likely not doing a full tour. What I do intend on doing is uh, next year, so this would be after the heavy promo of the book, depending on the volume of of, uh, consumption in different states. I want to start doing some kind of event series that does travel in order to meet the people who are kind enough to purchase and read it. And whether they liked it or not, I still want to have those face-to-face conversations. Um, and then prior to the book launch, I am giving away a free chapter. And so uh, it's it's the entire introductory chapter of the book, which covers the story of the titles. The chapter is literally called The Story of Immigrants. So for context, I, I'm an immigrant from Jamaica. I moved to the U.S. when I was eight and my dad's first job here was picking apples on an apple orchard and he wore his off and by the time he passed he was getting paid more than the average American does Mm. like well much more doing extremely well for himself and something that it's a journey that I'm incredibly proud of but it's also part of what didn't inspire the tiny leaps philosophy but confirmed it because they had the typical immigrant story and I was too young to experience it but I was old enough to 
watch it and to understand what was going on. And so there is such a, a, a confirmation in my life of can you change your life? Absolutely. If we start from that base question, can you change your life? There's no point, there's no question in my mind of is that a yes or no? Because I watched it happen. I watched my dad pick apples on an apple orchard to where he, he was when he passed. I watched my mom have a similar journey. I watched every single one of my aunts have a similar journey. Every single member of my family that came here from the US had, or from Jamaica, had that exact journey. And so I know for a fact it's possible. I also know that what they did was make specific decisions every single day that tied in with the goal that they had. I know for a fact it's not only possible to change your life, I also know that if you're willing to make day-to-day decisions, you can do it very quickly. And by very quickly, I mean it took them 12 years to get stable, uh, 18 years before, or maybe 17 years before he passed. And so the the purpose of both the book, the podcast, everything I do in the self-helpy space is to take these things that are right. Do I think you should pursue something you're passionate about? Yeah, like you should love what you're doing. You're spending so much time in it. I think the method of doing that, though, is wrong. I think that you shouldn't quit your job because you found something you think you're passionate about uh, when you have none of the skills required to make that work. You mm-hmm. don't know how to sell something. Don't quit your job. Figure out how to sell it first. If you don't even know how to make a product, like don't quit your job yet. Like take the time <laughs> required. It might take longer, but you're going to be in such a better position because you re- recognize that just being passionate about something doesn't make it work. You need actual skills to make it work. And and so the I, I just really want to drive this message home. Get the skills. Get the skills. Take the time. Recognize that it is possible to do these things. It is possible to lose weight. It's possible to make more money. It's possible to whatever your goal is. But there are a set of decisions and there's a version of you that can do that that you aren't yet. Like You aren't the version of you that can make or hold a million dollars. You could be. You could gain those skills. You could yeah. learn how to invest. You could learn how to increase your income, you could learn how to manage your money. But until you learn those things, you're never going to be that person. So even if you won the lotto tomorrow, you'd lose all that money very quickly because you didn't learn any of the things required to be that person. And that that's really all it comes down to is uh, you are a version of yourself that has the things you have. And that may or may not be entirely your fault. Like there are definite things in society and in life that like caused that, but you are where you are and you are that version. In order to get anywhere else, you need to be a different version who is able to be in that place. And so if you want to lose weight, but you've historically never been the type of person who works out or eats well, then you need to be the type of person who works out and eats well. It's a very simple uh, trade-off. Yeah. All right, Greg, I really want to thank you so much for for being on the podcast and, and sharing such you know professional, personal um, insights. If people wanted to find the, the free chapter and some of the other ways to connect with you what's the best way yeah so two easy things you can do first is tinyleapsbook.com that's how you get the free chapter as i was saying it's, it's the story of how we got here and just sort of the things that led to this philosophy i have and so that's tinyleapsbook.com 100 free just enter your name and email uh the second thing is uh listen to my show so it's called tiny leaps big changes and wherever you're listening to this easiest thing for you to do just type that in if it's in itunes if it's spotify Castbox whatever app you use type tiny leaves big changes in i'm there and give it a, a quick 
listen, it, episodes are five minutes to 20 minutes. And I try to keep things focused and packed with as much actionable advice and, and explanations as I can. So it's worth listening to for 100% free. And then if you dig it, go download the free chapter. If you don't, send me a message on Instagram and let me know why so I can improve it. And Instagram is correct. At Greg Clunas. Two G's at the end. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was an honor. Cool.